Good morning. In today's headlines, the saga of the missing Titanic submersible comes to an end. But could the tragedy have been avoided? Hear how experts responded after officials confirmed the sub's fate. Some serious allegations of abuse of power and preferential treatment regarding the DOJ's handling of Hunter Biden and alleged evidence of President Biden's involvement in his son's business dealings. We have the details. Some heated exchanges on Capitol Hill. The topic was transgender athletes and sports. Riley Gaines and others testified to lawmakers. What's electromagnetic smog? How do we protect ourselves from it? And do we even need to? We spoke to an expert. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Friday, June 23rd. And as you heard, the search for the sub that went missing on its dive to the sunken Titanic five days ago is over. The U.S. Coast Guard announced yesterday pieces of the craft had been found off the bow of the Titanic shipwreck and that a catastrophic implosion killed all five people on board. Rescue efforts have now turned to recovery. Deep-sea robots are continuing to search the seafloor for clues about what exactly happened. Many are asking the question, could the tragedy have been prevented? Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the discovery of the debris and this response to it. A remotely operated vehicle discovered a debris field from the sub-Titan Thursday morning on the ocean floor, some 1,600 feet from the bow of the Titanic, two and a half miles below the surface. The debris is consistent with the catastrophic loss of the pressure chamber. The U.S. Navy told the Wall Street Journal that its acoustic detection system heard a sound consistent with an implosion or explosion in the area where the submersible was operating around the time communications were lost. Coast Guard officials say five major fragments of the 22-foot sub were found in the debris field left from its disintegration. That includes the vessel's tail cone and two sections of the pressure hull. Movie director and submersible maker James Cameron says he regrets not sounding the alarm about the construction of the sub's pressure hull. I thought it was a horrible idea. Um, I wish I'd spoken up, you know, but I, I assumed somebody was smarter than me, you know, because I'd never experimented with that technology, but it just sounded bad on its face. The filmmaker is part owner of Triton Submarines and part of a small and close-knit submersible community. He says he was skeptical about the composite materials of carbon fiber and titanium used to build the sub's hull since he first heard about it. I don't want to say it blindsided the community because there was a lot of concern. And by the community, I mean people who operate subs and build subs for a living. There was a lot of concern about this outfit and this sub. Cameron says the accident was horrific and unnecessary and that historically the greater meaning of the Titanic is warnings that were ignored. They were running around with their hair on fire. The sub was right where it was. It was literally on the seafloor below its last known position, which is the first place you look in a search is the last known position. You don't go running around all over the landscape with planes and trains and automobiles searching, right? It was right where it was when it imploded, and I knew that's where they were going to find it. The five men aboard the sub were OceanGate founder and CEO Stockton Rush, British billionaire and explorer Hamish Harding, Pakistani businessman Shahzada Dawood and his son Suleiman, and French oceanographer and Titanic expert Paul Henry Narjolet. We need to put a stop to all trips to the Titanic. This is what we did when the uh, shuttle Challenger exploded. We shut down the entire U.S. space program. 
We need to do at least that now. The U.S. Coast Guard will continue searching near the sunken Titanic with robotic diving vehicles for more clues about what happened. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Our thoughts go out to the families. Oh, yeah, it must be so tough. We can only imagine what they're going through right now. And, you know, Evelyn, as we mentioned, you know, the director of the Titanic, James Cameron, he was criticizing the use of those carbon fiber composites, and he was saying that they don't have any strength under compression, and that's what happens when you go down in the depths. I see, yeah, that makes sense, because I know that um, subs are usually made of steel, right? And carbon fiber, that's not usually used for aerospace? Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some accountability here. Yeah. And we're going to move on to some tornadoes set to hit the U.S. In Colorado, a tornado caused widespread destruction in a populated area yesterday. Videos shared on social media showed rain and hail falling and trees bent by the wind in Highlands Branch. The National Weather Office described the tornado as large and extremely dangerous. There are no reports of injuries so far. Another tor tornado and heavy rain and hail was also confirmed in Denver yesterday. The tornado was part of a series of severe thunderstorms hitting the area for the past two days. On Wednesday, apple-sized hailstones disrupted a concert at the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado where it injured around 100 people. An IRS whistleblower's testimony suggests Hunter Biden received preferential treatment from the Justice Department when being investigated for tax fraud. The testimony also alleges the DOJ interfered with the investigation and accuses President Biden of being involved in his son's business dealings. NDD's Jeremy Sandberg reports. The House Ways and Means Committee released transcripts of interviews with IRS whistleblowers on Thursday. Every Democrat on the committee voted against the release. The whistleblower testimony claims the IRS and DOJ gave Hunter Biden preferential treatment and interfered in the investigation to shield him from search warrants and criminal charges. Allegations include the Justice Department intentionally allowing the statute of limitations to run out on alleged tax crimes and blocking search warrants into evidence despite there being probable cause. Hunter Biden pleaded guilty to two federal tax offenses this week and was placed on probation. Republican lawmakers call it a slap on the wrist. Number one, the federal government is not treating taxpayers equally when enforcing tax laws. Number two, whistleblowers claim the Biden Department of Justice is intervening and overstepping when it comes to the investigation of the president's son. And number three, these whistleblowers report they have faced almost immediate retaliation. The whistleblowers allege Hunter Biden sent a WhatsApp message to a Chinese businessman during a dispute that said he was sitting here with my father and using his father's name and connections to threaten him to follow Hunter's direction. The message was allegedly made to Henry Zhao, a Chinese business associate with close ties to the Chinese Communist Party. If true, the information contradicts Biden's often repeated claim that he's never been involved in or discussed his son's business ventures. Biden has gotten visibly upset when asked about his involvement in his son's business dealings and denied it, like in this example from 2019. I've never spoken to my son about his own business. And so how do you know? Look, here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. Everybody looked at this and everybody's looked at it and said there's nothing there. Ask the right question. The whistleblower also claims prosecutors had evidence of Joe Biden meeting with officials from Hunter Biden's Chinese energy client. The Justice Department responded to the allegations, saying U.S. Attorney David Weiss has full authority over the matter and can decide if, where, and when to file charges as he deems appropriate. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. 
We're turning now to some culture issues here. Transgender athletes and sports are back in the spotlight. Former NCAA swimmer Riley Gaines testified on Capitol Hill on the topic. NTD's Daniel Monahan has some key moments of the hearing focused on the civil rights of LGBT Americans. To the whisper Gaines described some things she went through competing against Leah Thomas, a male swimmer who identifies as female. She said being vulnerable in a locker room with a nude man was traumatic. Gaines also criticized how NCAA authorities responded to her concerns and those of other female swimmers. These female athletes who opposed the inclusion of Leah Thomas in the women's divisions were threatened, intimidated, and emotionally blackmailed into silence and submission. She warned lawmakers about the dangers of letting men encroach on women's private spaces and pushed back at those cloaking standing up for women's rights as being anti-trans. Defending women's rights is not anti-anyone. Believing in biology is not bigoted. And following the science that there are only two sexes and that there are very real and important differences between the two sexes is not hateful, it's fact. If you can't Senator Ted Cruz questioned president of the human rights campaign Kelly Robinson. Do you believe there's a difference between women and men? Robinson refused to answer the question directly. Why do women's sports exist? If you can't define a difference between women and men, why not abolish women's sports and just tell little girls to swim with little boys and see who wins? Cruz then cited an article from Duke Law. It compared elite women's sports performances to boys and men. The article examines the top records for women in the world in 2017. So, for example, in the 100 meter, the top record for women in the world was 10.71 seconds. Now, that record for the number one woman in the world in 2017 was in the year 2017 broken by 124 boys under 18. Cruz added that nearly 2,500 men broke that record in the same year as well. Senator John Kennedy also questioned Robinson. Do males have an advantage over females biologically in sports? Again, I'm not a physician and I, I can't speak to that. What's your real-world experience? Um, it depends. I mean, there are some people who are born male that I'm faster than if I were to sprint against them and some that I'm not. Some but males so that are taller than some that women and some that are shorter. You don't believe that a biological male has a physical advantage in sports over a biological female? Not as a, a definitive statement. The testimony comes as many states have enacted laws against cross-sex procedures on minors, with many LGBT activists seeing this as an attack on their civil rights. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Coming up, it's being called the largest drinking water settlement in U.S. history. 3M has agreed to pay over $10 billion. Find out why. Welcome back. We're going to dive into a big public health story. 3M says it reached a $10 billion settlement to resolve water pollution lawsuits tied to so-called forever chemicals. It's what one attorney described as the largest drinking water settlement in American history. Here's a story. The money would be used over the span of 13 years to treat contamination from per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, or PFAS, and help efforts to filter it from drinking water served to the public. 3M, which faces thousands of lawsuits over PFAS contamination, did not admit liability. PFAS has been used from a wide range of products, from cookware to cosmetics. 
They're dubbed forever chemicals as they do not break down easily in the human body or environment, and the chemicals have been linked to cancer and other ailments as well as environmental damage. The lawsuit was set to be a test case in more than 4,000 filed against 3M and other chemical companies by U.S. municipalities, state governments, and individuals. The Environmental Protection Agency has called PFAS an urgent public health and environmental issue and set a 2025 deadline to stop producing it. Sprinkles or chocolate syrup, these are things that you would normally associate with ice cream. But an ice cream machine at the Mexico border wasn't carrying anything like that when officers inspected the truck carrying it. Instead, it was hiding nearly 150 pounds of cocaine. Agents stopped a Ford pickup truck hauling the machine. An x-ray scan came up suspicious. A dog searched the vehicle and sounded the alarm. Officers then found 56 bundles of the dangerous narcotic hidden in the walls of the ice cream maker. Agents seized the narcotics and the vehicle. Here's hoping those agents get a nice reward for it, for the find, at least a nice chocolate ice cream cone, maybe. Ever heard of electromagnetic smog? That's a different type of pollutant that's less talked about. It's caused by radiation of electromagnetic fields. And while some sources say small amounts aren't harmful and we can use our phones without worry, others aren't as confident. I spoke to Susan Foster. She's an EMF consultant. And I asked her what impact electromagnetic fields have on, have on our bodies. It impacts everybody, but not everybody is perceiving that. And many people have symptoms and they're unaware that these symptoms can be related to their cell phone or a cell tower that has just been placed near them or a new office that they've just moved into. Let's say there's an upgrade in Wi-Fi to five gigahertz. And so everybody thinks that, that bigger and faster is better, but bigger and faster is more dangerous. So what people might be experiencing but not connecting it yet is headaches. All of a sudden they're going to work or they're, they're coming home and they are getting a headache. They, this can be a migraine headache as well. It could be cardiac arrhythmia. And so this can be atrial fibrillation, which is potentially deadly. It can be tachycardia. It can be a coronary spasm. Uh, tinnitus, which is tinnitus or tinnitus, it's pronounced both, but that's ringing in the ears, which increasingly people are having, cognitive impairment, uh, ADD or ADHD symptoms. You get up and wander into a room and you forgot why you wandered into that room. And we'll do that to a certain extent, but this is doing it much more frequently. Um, wow. It can be sleep disruption. Now that can be inability to go to sleep, inability to stay asleep, and potentially inability to wake up. It sounds almost like there is an immediate effect. Now, how just how dangerous is it and how much exposure will you have before this happens, what you just described? Yeah. That's an excellent question because it varies. And, and very often people can cope with certain symptoms and, and their body does attempt to adjust to the exposure, but then you can reach a point where your body no longer, it, you essentially have a toxic load and you start to exhibit symptoms. And, and those symptoms may not go away until you remove all wireless from your life. That's increasingly difficult to do because wireless radiation does penetrate walls for the most part. You know, it doesn't know very many boundaries. And this is a ubiquitous technology that we think is safe. How big of a role does our phones, does our phone play, for example? The phone can play a very big role. And so I, 
We would urge all women to keep their phones out of their bras, which is a very common place, especially for teenage girls to carry their phones. It's convenient, and but it's, it can also cause breast cancer. So men and women, keep your phone out of your pants pocket, uh, unless it's in airplane mode. And when you get on a plane and they tell you to turn your phone off, you put it in airplane mode. You don't always have to be connected. You shouldn't have your phone radiating. Even when you think your phone is off, it's still pinging to a nearby tower so it can receive an incoming call unless you're in airplane mode. So I think that's very important. Opt out of smart meters on the side of your home and keep your analog meter if you possibly can. Uh, avoid cordless phones because those are also wireless. And there is a little antenna on decked phones as D-E-C-T and that, it, acts like a mini cell tower. So that's functioning all the time, radiating all the time. Uh, many people sleep with their phones under their pillows. Please don't do that. Recharge your phone as far away from your bedroom as possible because nighttime sleep, restorative sleep is so important. And just question smart everything because it's not so smart for your health. Hmm. Thank you so much. A very eye-opening insights, Susan Foster. I really appreciated your time. Thank you, my pleasure. Now there was actually another question that came in from a viewer who reached out to me on Instagram. He asked if Susan could re recommend any gadgets that block or reduce um, electromagnetic radiation because he doubts that they really work. And Susan said there may be benefits if they're well constructed, but you can really only know if you, you know, measure it with a meter. But not all of them do, so it does come down to careful selection. That's absolutely right. And in general, she says she doesn't promote the idea of gadgets because it could lull users into a false sense of security. And Evelyn, you really said it well with this eye-opening insight because, I mean, I really have not heard a lot about this and it doesn't seem like this is a big part of the conversation and to keep people safe. That's right, yeah, and it's all around us, like mentioned, so it's, yeah, it's everywhere, it's important. Yeah, it comes through the walls, I mean, people sleep with their phones near their bed, so that's I'm a lot of good tips. I'm guilty of that, for sure. Yeah. All right, um, we're heading into break. Still to come, an Illinois mom has created a unique way to help adults with disabilities build a more fulfilling life with on-the-job training. That's after the break. Good to have you back. Now, raising kids with disabilities is hard, but it's even harder if they grow up. 80% of adults with disabilities are jobless and facing isolation. An Illinois mom is determined to help adults with disabilities build a more fulfilling life. Entities Angela Moy has a story. Chez Francois Poutinerie serves poutine, a Canadian comfort food. But the restaurant serves more than just comfort food. The restaurant's owner, T. Nguyen, opened the restaurant to give people with disabilities a future. We had a son that was diagnosed with uh, autism uh, at the age of six. And uh, very severe, very low functional. So he was nonverbal until even nine, and even still nonverbal. Francois enjoyed a happy childhood with the resources provided by schools. But now that he's 18, the situation would change. I knew that after 22 years old, then there was nothing for uh, adults with disability. Very hard to find a job. Nguyen's family escaped Vietnam to seek a better future for her and her siblings in 1979. Now Nguyen says it's her turn to provide her son and people like him with a better future. 
And I grew up with, in Montreal. So Montreal is the land of poutine. So poutine is French fried cheese curd and gravy sauce. And when I, grew, when, when I moved here, I was missing my poutine. And I said, you know what, why don't I, you know, build a business that, you know, I can offer poutine to the, to the people in, in, in Naperville and at the same time create, you know, jobs uh, for adults with disabilities. A year ago, Nguyen used her own money to open Chez Francois Boutinerie in Naperville, a suburb west of Chicago, and a non-profit foundation, Friends of Francois. Lauren Longo's son, Anthony, works at the restaurant. Anthony has autism and other physical disabilities with his hips and legs. My son was in a program that didn't take them out into the community. And when COVID hit, that was even more stifling. And he became very depressed. He was leaving me suicidal notes. Um, and it was very hard on me. Lauren says the restaurant saved Anthony's life. He um, is uh, working here and he loves it. He's standing up straighter. He is talking more. He's more outgoing, which he didn't have before. His self-esteem was lower. Anthony especially enjoys serving food to customers. How does coming to work make you feel every day? It makes you feel like I belong to a community. Lauren volunteers as the president of Friends of Francois Foundation. The nonprofit pairs up job coaches with students with disabilities and offers social opportunities. I was diagnosed with a brain aneurysm, and so I wanted to make sure that um, I gave him the skills that if anything happened to me, he would be able to function. And this has given him some solid skills. Through the restaurant and the nonprofit organization, Nguyen hopes to inspire more employers to hire people with disabilities. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Naperville, Illinois. I'm so proud of that young man for overcoming autism with their help. Heartwarming story. That's a great way to end this week. Uh, that's all we're wrapping today's program. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email if you'd like. Have a great weekend. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.